now, ladies and gentlemen, if you would, please welcome to the ice the members of the 2016 NCAA National Champions from the University of North Dakota. Welcome back to the Hasbens, presented by 10K Takes, brought to you always by the Chill Boys. And you can go on www.chillboys.com. And listeners, you can type in HB15 to get 15% off your first order from the Chill Boys. Get your underwear, socks made out of bamboo. I am joined today, obviously, by Jack Mason, our producer, Trevor Olson, and a very special guest, Brad Doshin. Former University of Minnesota Gopher, Dosh, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate having you here. Thanks for having me. And I'm not that special, trust me. <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll, you know, see. yeah, we'll see. To us, you are, you know, you're one of our funner guests here. Just, just the timeline, you played hockey, and obviously, you know, we're a hockey podcast talking about college hockey and stuff. Being an ex-Gopher, playing for Herb Brooks, very special having you on here. So we do appreciate you making the time for us. And we'll get into everything you do afterwards after we get to this you know our weekend recap and stuff but again thanks for coming on well thank you guys it's an honor really especially at this age i mean so it's all it's all you good. look good you look great <laughs> no, you look no great. that's debatable <laughs> my, my movie star good looks abandoned me about 12 years ago <laughs> and my my mull over isn't working that well okay so you guys just gotta put I up with that for an hour if i can have his hair yeah 100 percent. oh my god i would i can't imagine well, it's all fake. It's just implants. I mean, it's, it's easy deal now. I forgot the Botox treatments, but that's all right. <laughs> all right, let's get into our weekend recap brought to you by Beauty Status. And obviously, Beauty Status is a homegrown company here in Minnesota making that hockey apparel, Minnesota hockey apparel. They got a genuine look, really authentic stuff, everything from driver cover polos now really nice polos i wear golfing a lot um all their t-shirts their flags go check them out beauty status hockey beauty status hky.com for the website let's get into our weekend recap here also what'd you get up to yeah i made a uh, nice little weekend trip over to chicago hung out with uh shelby's sister it was her birthday uh so we made a nice little weekend out of it on that friday we just hit uh the pontoon and and went up and down the river it was actually pretty fun uh it's kind of a new look chicago i've never done that before so how did you get this you know i've been to chicago before um great city a lot of fun to be had obviously how, how do you get on the water there i've always wanted to get on the water people are driving around in boats swimming around it, wearing bikinis it, you know swimsuits how, how do you line this up yeah so actually it was pretty cool she has her apartment is right on the river there and there was an empty spot, and so she asked around, like, how do I get my pontoon on, on the river? And, you know, they pay a pretty penny for it. But um, it's kind of funny, you know, most of the boats and shit are like yachts, and they're like roaming sure. around the river. And she's got this beat-up pontoon, you know, this $3,000 pontoon, and we're just bumping tunes up and down the river. Unbelievable. So, yeah. And so, are, so are you able to, like, stop at docks and, like, oh, yeah. other, like riverfront bars yep. to stop Bars, at? eatery, restaurants, really? all that stuff. Yep, you just pull right up. 
This is all fucking news to me. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was really I fun. I didn't know this. So, I mean, I gotta get. I gotta get on the water. Yeah, gotta get down to Chicago. Get on that river. It, it was. It was surprising, but it was uh, incredibly fun. Super cool. I mean, you're just literally on the water in between these big skyscrapers. Like it's sweet. Um, so we did that Friday. Uh, went to a you know a night uh, club or whatever at night, and then Saturday we went out on uh, Lake Michigan. Uh, we run big old yacht out there again. I don't really know how we got out there, but <laughs> I don't ask questions. I just go. <laughs> I just show up and yeah. put on my party pants, and yeah. uh, it was fun. We were out there for a long time, and you know, just drinking. And I mean, if you know, we rate things here. You know, the weekend ten. Yeah, so like, ten. I mean, is there going to be a better weekend than that one? That I mean, it sounds like that's as good as it gets. It was, yeah, it was, it was incredibly fun. It was uh, perfect. You know, it was two days. If it was three, it would have been just fucking a lot. But two days was perfect. And then we hopped in the car, six hour drive home. So, uh, how was that drive home? Obviously, there you're like excited. And then yeah. On the way home, you're like, God. One of these just sitting in the back like this. Shelby sleeping in the passenger seat that's, driving for those, six hours. Those drives home after those weekends, I always contemplate like, how much money would I be willing to drop <laughs> to have a to have like a portal like time portal machine oh, yeah, just a lot. to just transport me home? Yeah, a lot. Without this drive, I mean, it's it, it gets up there someday. Like oh, yeah. it depends on the drive and how you're feeling, but some days you're like, fuck, I'd fork over a couple ten twenty k. Yeah, to it, just get my yeah. fucking couch and sit well, down. Can, can I interject something? I want to steal your yeah. no, come on else, in, but. Uh, I actually uh, had a couple of honey bears take me out of their wings way back in 1981. The honey bears went after the uh, Chicago Bears won the Super Bowl. They were the cheerleaders, and they, I, I walked into a club called Faces. I'd just gotten back from Italy after playing pro hockey my first year. I was pretty jacked up, and I pretended that I couldn't speak English. <laughs> yeah. I said, hey, ciao bella, come sta, come andiamo. They're like, wow, this guy's got to be a tired. Oh, no, just literally English, you know? <laughs> hey. Did you have to play it out the rest oh, of the night? Oh, it was phenomenal, <laughs> phenomenal. They were like, well, you know, he's not super good looking, but, you know, he's not bad. <laughs> and I go, he plays hockey, too. <laughs> they, went, they went about 15 minutes, and they go, Hey, I was just joking. I said, where are we going tonight? Where's the disco? <laughs> and they took me under their wings and they brought me all around Chicago for oh. the entire weekend. It was a pretty good gig all don't, in all. Yeah. Don't ever apologize for interjecting. Mary Jo and Kim. Kind of Mary Jo and awesome. Kim. Oh, oh they're smoking awesome. hot, smoking hot. Oh, Chicago my God. Chicago honey bears. You know, I've always, he mentions that. And I, I always wonder about the Russians. You know, like I, I'll see Kaprizov, you know, in the wild roaming yeah. around the bars and I know his English is not great like is he just walking around just smiling at girls like ah. yeah and then much. he just like does he even have to like wheel him <laughs> yeah. he just like he just goes the whole night without talking and then just yeah, yeah, yeah. back Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, probably. Well, when you're probably make when you're making nine million a year, you're probably not having the same sort of sort of attitude that we had. Yeah. You know, at like twenty five bucks a week. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, anyway, no, yeah. Little, sure. It was a little different uh, generation and era then. Anyway, for, for sure. sure. Mace, what did you get up to this weekend? Uh, so just kind of got settled in at the new place and hit some uh, breweries and bars around. Uh, got mimosas on Saturday morning, got the hangover away, and then Sunday I went to the Def Leppard Molly Crew Poison concert. Nice. And that was fucking awesome. 
That's but sick. Motley Crue, Def. I mean, how? You know, I see Motley Crue. I didn't even really know they were here because I was going to Lumineers on Friday. But we'll get to that. But I hear Motley Crue's here, and I'm like, holy shit, Motley Crue. I mean, where the fuck are they playing? The U.S. Bank Stadium. In order to get the venue of the U.S. Bank, you have to sell that many tickets. I'm like, Jesus Christ. I didn't know Motley Crue was still selling that many tickets to their show. It's like, Dude, it was, was it nuts? It was packed in there. There's maybe really? like 100 open seats. Like, yeah. It was crazy. That's nasty. Was and that... Sorry to interrupt you, Mace, no, but good. have you guys seen that Netflix movie, Dirt? Yep. Is oh, that yeah. on Motley Crue? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I've I've heard stories from my old man and, and people about Motley Crue. Um how like certain bands, you know, would they'd play on the road, and sometimes big bands would play together, and you know, all the, these other bands were crazy themselves. Mm-hmm. Whenever they get paired up with Motley Crue, and they'd have they'd go out with them the night after, everyone's like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> <laughs> these guys are fucking nuts! <laughs> like, holy, I thought I was nuts. Look at these guys, and then Motley Crue hangs out with Ozzy Osbourne, and they're like, No, look at that guy. He's fucking <laughs> eating. He's snorting ants. <laughs> Amazing, they're still all alive. Yeah, oh, at this yeah. point. Yeah. It's nuts. Uh, and and I, I saw Mick Jagger and Stones again. I've been, I went to like six concerts. I saw him down in Jacksonville a couple of years ago after Jagger had the stent put in. You know, they had yeah. to delay the concert. Yeah. The freaking guy, I couldn't even keep up with him. He was running up and down the stage, dancing, singing. I mean, these guys, they're freaks of nature. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what they're taking, but I want some. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I you just know? saw the Rolling Stones at U.S. Bank last fall. At the and it was sold out. And Mick Jagger, I kid you not, you know, like, how old is he now? He's seventy six or 79. He's close to eighty. Yeah. And this guy was jumping around, buzzing around, sprinting <laughs> on the stage the entire concert. And yeah. at one point, towards the end, like I was just standing there, like I can't keep up. I'm so tired. And I'm like, this guy's fucking eighty almost, <laughs> and I'm tired before he is. Like. What, exactly. is, what is going on? Like, there's yeah. I want what he's having. Yeah. <laughs> and I got one problem with the Stones right now because I, at the bars, you know, once uh, I used to think I was quite a player, according to me, but that was not the case at all. In any, <laughs> any event, um, the women now tell me that they used to tell me once in a while I looked like Richard Gere from the nose up. Oh, yeah. I was like, all right, that's pretty good. And now, now they're telling me I look like Keith Richards, only I have more wrinkles. Oh. <laughs> I I'd still take the Keith Richards comparison because Keith, Keith is just as fucking cool as Mick too. I mean, oh, those yeah. two guys. Yeah, Keith well. is still shredding up there. I mean, they both had you know, like you said, heart surgeries and all this yeah. stuff, and they're still up there just absolutely shredding. Yeah, I can't. It's, believe it's amazing. This is really remarkable. So, man, I mean, that's that's pretty cool. I didn't know you were going to Motley Crue and. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty good. Uh, I saw Vince Neil like two years back at Mystic Lake, and he was good then. But I don't know what changed in two years. But he was awful on Sunday. Really, it was really bad. Like he was offbeat, and then he would try to like catch up to the song after. And... Vince Neil. Yeah, he's the Molly Crew singer. Oh, so it was at the U.S. Bank. It was it wasn't great. Well, Def Leppard and Poison were pretty good, but Molly Crew, they had like three good songs. Is that still Brett Michaels on Poison's lead singing there? Yeah, pretty sure. The uh, He used to have that old MTV dating show. <laughs> what was it called? He was like, 
he was like trying to pick out of like 30 girls that were trying to date him. It was like a bachelor, but it was MTV and it was Brett Michaels. I've never was, seen you've that. You've never seen no. that? <laughs> oh, it was so funny. <laughs> two, like there were like two twins that came in and they were a pair. So he had to pick the pair or like one. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you, can name that. You, can't have, you can't have just one. We come in a package. So it must be two. <laughs> it was just ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, he's a rock star. So what's, you know, what else do you expect? Dosh, exactly. what did you, you get up to this last weekend? Uh, that's a long time ago. <laughs> when you got the Alzheimer's and dementia kicking in. Let's just talk about yesterday. <laughs> no, actually, uh, I made a pretty big, profound decision. Uh, uh, I'm actually um, living on Lake Minnetonka. I moved back for at least a year uh, for the first time in uh, oh, about 30, 35 years. Really? So, yeah, after Crystal Golden Valley, Hastings High School, Gophers, Oklahoma City, um, farm, farm team, off to Italy, Switzerland, London, and then uh, Florida for uh, eight years. Where are you at in Florida? Back, uh, in St. Pete's, St. Petersburg, just oh. outside of Tampa. It was awesome. What a spot. Really fun to watch the, the, the lightning. What a oh, yeah. great organization that is. You were there in a prime time. Yeah, They've absolutely. got a great rink there. Olsen and I know it well. Yeah. Family <laughs> arena. We've actually been to St. Pete's, had a dinner there on the beach. Yep. Showed up in suits. Everyone else wears <laughs> flip flops and shorts. Yeah. I actually had the job. Fuck you guys when we in business. <laughs> I actually had the job back in 1986. Let's, you know, I was like, oh, I, I started playing pro hockey at 12, so I mean, it kind of dates me. But anyway, uh, I had the uh, the privilege to take uh, Phil Esposito and his family down to Venice because I was coached with Lou Barrel, the ex Olympic coach at the time up in the mountains in northern Italy. So he asked me to take uh, take Phil down there, and Phil kept trying to pay me. And I said, Phil, I said. You know, I said, I don't want any money. I just want a story. I want a story with you and the Turk. And uh, unfortunately, I can't tell that one. <laughs> because no, that's I, all right. I'm still looking for a job. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he, might, he might be able to help me out. No, but you guys going to let your yeah. imagination run wild. Sure. <laughs> it does suck, you know, when you're on these things. You get guys on and you know certain stories and stuff that you understand and, and are very funny and you wish people could hear them. But it's also like, oh, it's best if... People don't hear that. You know? <laughs> anyway, I don't understand as well as we do. And yeah. so anyway, I, I, I found a place on Lake Minnetonka. It's just, just it's hilarious. It's like going back to the seventies. It's on the water. You know, it's uh, it's a ridiculously low price. I won't, I don't want to mention that because you know I do run a sports travel business, but. Uh, I, so I fast forward, I was out in the lake and had a great time with my friends. But yesterday was a highlight, you guys. Really one of the highlights I've, in my life. I have to say in the top, top, maybe not, you know, top 10 for sure. Really? I got, to, yeah, I got to see all the gopher guys. Got to see Brad Buto, who I haven't seen in 30, 40 years. One of my favorite coaches. Um, all the boys were there. It was an alumni golf tournament down in uh, Prior Lake, the Legends Golf Course. And, uh, it was it was absolutely cosmic. It was one laugh after another. Butes told me that I was the best penalty killer, killer in the country. And I said, Butes, I said, you're not going to get a free trip if you lie. Anyway, but uh, oh, just some amazing stories. And also, also, yeah, he says, Doge had great form. You know, he, I agree, Boots, he was a really good penalty killer, but he says he had great form, but he just had this knack of missing 
you know, the puck by about that much. <laughs> <laughs> and that was all programmed. Yeah. That's what we used to lay down. So you look really great. You'd slide across and yeah. the puck would just miss. You know, anyway, so it was uh, it was really fun. It was, um, got to talk to so Mott. Was that the Gopher yeah. reunion yeah. Uh, alumni tournament? It, it, was, it was just an alumni tournament, yeah. yeah. And uh, so I got to talk to Mott's too. And I just think I just want to. I don't usually do this. I'm not, you know, as hockey players and coaches, we don't usually kiss ass for, for anybody. But this this guy, I think he's really turned it around. He's turning it around. And uh, the vibe was just amazing. You know, I haven't been to many of these functions because I've been away in Europe, you know, for all these years. But I will say that, there's, that we, we got something going there, and I think he's got something going. And I'm really looking forward. He's trying to make, you know, in, implement some endeavors to get the younger guys, get to know the older guys like us. Yeah. And it's just it's just a, it's a super, super good, um, you know, sensation and, and uh, yeah. ambiance. So, anyway, sure. was So it was a great day. Great no, and, that, and that's the way we've – I mean, I know when Olsen and I were playing, we were playing against Coach Motzko in uh, St. Cloud. Right. And – when I heard the news that he took the Minnesota job, um, I was kind of pissed because I knew he was a good coach and not, yeah, nothing yeah. against you. You're know, big rivals, but I was like, fuck, no, Minnesota's going to be good. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> damn it. Yeah. I knew, you know, he was going to go in and, and do a good job. And you could, you just knew he was going to do that. So from my standpoint, I wasn't too pumped. I was like, oh, I was hoping they'd, you know, hire some fucking idiot. And I just can, which hasn't happened all that often. No, it doesn't. But yeah, but yeah, no, I, I, I'm not surprised to hear that at all. Just, just hearing some of the stories from Moscow and seeing some of the St. Cloud teams, he, you know, put on the ice against us, and and in the past and the future after that, he's just done a really good job at St. Cloud, which is kind of a tough school to recruit to and get guys to come to. I mean, not that tough, but in terms of. You know, the Gophers, are you going to play for the Gophers, Duluth, UND? St. Cloud's kind of be- behind those in terms, and even Mankato. Right. But he found a way to get those guys there and, and have good teams. So that's not surprising at all. But, yeah, I guess yeah. I'll, I'll get into my weekend now before we get into Dosha's stories here. But um, I'll start it off. I thought I was done. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Got any more wine? Yeah. <laughs> I'll, uh, so I'm, I'm actually going to start it off from Wednesday, which wasn't the weekend, but I did want to tell a story. So my youngest brother comes to town. He just had double hip surgery. He's a hockey player, plays in the USHL. Okay. It was his first time. He came to the cities to skate a couple times. His first time on the ice to work with a guy who, you know, Kind of gets the hips back in motion and stuff. Well, anyways, he comes and he's like, yeah, let's play around. My other brother's here. So I get Red Gardner, my other brother, and, and my youngest brother, Ty and Trey. We go play around. It's uh, Rush Creek in Maple Grove. Really nice course. Well, anyways, before the rally, you know, weeks leading up to this, my youngest brother's texting me and Ty, my, my other brother. Oh, yeah, you know, I just shot minus four at valley or minus three at king's walk and we're like no you fucking didn't <laughs> like, we golf with you so many times you're not shooting under par like shut up and he was the same guy you know who used to come home when he was a younger kid he'd come home from his peanut jamboree or squirt or whatever and he'd be like trey how'd the game go and he's like oh yeah it went good you know i had four goals and three assists and my dad's <laughs> like trey what are you fucking saying 
you won three to one. <laughs> he was like, oh. Like, That's great. Yeah. He's like, you didn't have three goals. He's like, why? Well, I fucking should have, you know. It's like, okay, you don't know what to believe of the guy. But anyways, he comes and golfs, and he was actually pretty good. So it was actually crazy to see, you know, your younger, your younger brother growing up hitting the, hitting the ball out there, and he was decent. And it's like, oh, okay, maybe he's maybe he's a little different. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, after that, we go to the on Friday we go to the Lumineers concert where Matt Harder hooked us up with tickets there in a suite. Had the time of our lives. Had a golf round set up with uh, Boss Man, a 10K here. Had to back out because I couldn't. I, I got out of bed. At, I got walk, of, you could could, walk. Yeah, it couldn't function. I got out of bed at like 3 p.m. And our tea time was at 5. And I'm like, I'm not going to go spend $120 just to, you know, duff the ball the whole round. Like, I can't even see him. Like, it was one of the most hung I had ever been. I took so much Advil and, like, couldn't get rid of my headache. But anyways, you know, kind of recovered on Sunday. And, and here we are, I guess, on Wednesday. But that was my weekend. It was it was. It was great. I'd go back. Those are the nights where, like, you know, I, I kind of over overshot the pregame. You know, like, you're going in, you're so excited. You're like, oh, let's have a good concert. And I got so excited before, just had too many drinks and got a little banged up. And that'll happen. It happens. Absolutely. It'll fucking it happens. happen. But uh, here we are now. And, and um, now I think let's, you know, we're going to. Typically, we do the fun stuff brought to you by Butter Golf, and obviously, Butter Golf is Jordan Schmaltz's brand. Golf brand just started up. Um, they've got hats, shirts, stuff you would love. Like this stuff is just straight hockey. Do I look play. like I wear a hat? No, but <laughs> no, you, it's got nice you shirts. love their shirts and like okay. I mean, it's straight hockey player lingo. Like it's great stuff. And okay, he's got this stuff going. He and he's actually playing over in Switzerland this year. He was in Finland last Who's year. That? Jordan Schmaltz's name is. Oh, okay, yeah, I know him. So he's a good player, but he started this brand, and, and usually the fun stuff we bring up like hypotheticals and all that stuff. But since we've got Dosh in studio, we're just going straight story time because he's got so much good shit we want to get to. So Dosh, let's let's kind of slide into your life and career and what you're up to now. Let's try to get into what you're up to now. Okay. Um, you're obviously you know doing a the travel hockey thing. How do you Sports get in? Show. What are you doing now? Kind of how do you get people over there? And how did you start this out? Well, you know, I was I was coaching professionally over in Europe for the last 25 years and starting out in Italy as player coach for six years. And I coached at the higher levels. And I coached at the younger level, uh, you know, the youth levels. And I went to, I actually went to London for a three-year stint. And it was a great experience. We actually won the championship. It was the Chelmsford Chieftains. It was second division team. And everybody was calling me Reggie, you know, you know from Slapshot, yeah. which was just pretty hilarious. And, uh, you know, I had a great experience up there. But when I came back, I got tired of the weather up in, uh, you know, in, in Britain. And so I came back. I wanted to hang on on Lake Como. I loved, fell in love with Lake Como the first time I ever saw it back at age 22. And I said, I'm going to live there for at least five or ten years and ended up staying there for 20 years. Lake Como, where's Lake, that? Lake Como, Italy, just north of oh, Milan. Yeah. yeah, it's where Cloney and Angelina, Brad Pitt, and Doge yeah. hang out. Yeah. Is there a comparable over in America to this spot, or is it kind of just... No, it's, well, it's like, been voted by Forbes... 
for seven years in a row as the number one lake venue in the world. I mean, it is absolutely spectacular. So that bodes well also for the tours. And you're right in the border of Switzerland. You got all the hockey teams there in Switzerland. So it's uh, it's a uh, it's an amazing, amazing spot. I miss it. I look forward to going back, you know, every year, which I have been doing up until the pandemic. So while I was coaching in Switzerland, I actually had Kevin, a really great friend of mine by the name of Dave Jensen called me up and said, hey, Doge, this is going back 20 years ago. He says, I, we want to bring the Pee Wee team over. I said, okay. And he says, well, he goes, well, we need you to set up a tournament. You know, the hotels, the bus, everything. We want to hang out. We have some fun, go skiing. And then he says, I said, well, you know, Jensen, he said, you know, I'm kind of busy. I'm, I'm coaching three teams in Lugano. And he says, Doge, we're going to pay it. And I go, Okay. <laughs> you know, as, as you do as a professional hockey coach making 20 grand a year anyway and so the 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 the, uh, the tour was unbelievable like I did everything at the last minute I called the hotels I know I have to book them out nine months in advance yeah. called the hotels we can advance the bus everything else and they had an absolutely amazing time. They won the tournament because I paid the referees enough <laughs> <laughs> and, and the, the funny thing about this is that you know they're out of the there's like 12 peewee players. And out of those 12 players, eight of them went D1 and, and Jake Gardner in the NHL. Really? So, yeah. So it was a pretty electric group, you know. Yeah. T- Tommy Fell and the Jensen's, uh, Coda. Um, anyway. Well, we had the Codas over there, too. The Codas, yeah, the Codas. Yeah, they're yeah. all on this team. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Rayola. I don't know if you remember oh, yeah, Rayola. Yeah. So this is yeah. Minnetonka. T- yeah, it was, a, yeah, it was yeah. an all-star team. Yeah, so okay. Supposedly, anyway. Yeah. Anyway, and, they, and so we got done with it. I actually had a party. Strangely enough, I know this will shock most of the people out there, but I actually had a party with 120 people and a DJ. And so they all came to my party. And it was in a villa that I was renting right down the street from Johnny Versace. And I was a little bit of smoke and mirrors. I don't know how I pulled this off, but it was a good run. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so they came to the party. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden the, 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 the dad started taking We had the kids being babysat at the hotel with the guides. And the dads start taking out their shirts. I'm like, well, wait a minute. No, that's 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 my that's my key. <laughs> you guys are still in my thunder. Long story short, they said, Hey, Dosh, they said, You gotta do this. This is this is all about you. This is you you gotta turn this into a profession. I started thinking about it. So I brought over more peewee teams from Minnesota, mostly Minnesota. Got Shattuck St. Mary's coming over for three years in a row. And then I got to, you know, actually uh, up the game to Colgate, Cornell, yeah. Quinnipiac, Dartmouth, some of the, the some of the big boys, St. Lawrence, and then I and then I was I had some you know pretty pretty big success with the MIC teams. So but, you start off with kind of youth teams from Minnesota, bringing them over to Europe, right? Playing these, I mean, how many games are they playing? Up to four. Four games yeah. against just local teams, and right. So right. how are these teams? You know, you get the youth teams over there. How are they doing against the local teams? Oh, I make I make sure that there's no 10-0 games. Yeah. You know, as a coach, I don't want to waste I don't want to waste people's time. I want the kids to have fun. It's no fun winning ten nothing or losing ten nothing. Yeah. You know, and because of the fact that I coach in both Italy and in Switzerland at the youth level and the pro level, I actually you know have a pretty good uh, feel for yeah, feel level. for it. And I and I know I know everybody in the organizations. Like for example, when a Quinnipiac came over, they would play against the, the uh, LNA teams in Switzerland. So, you know, so and also like LMB, the pro team, the pro and, team yeah, a, yeah, there's, there's an A and the B. So anyway, and, the, and the, it was, I, I've been better lucky than smart, right? I've actually, I never had more than a four or five goal game, you know, since I've been doing that. And then with the MIC teams, obviously you got to adjust it down a notch. So they'll play like a third division Swiss team and then, you know, first division pro team in, in, uh, in Italy. Anyway, so that, that helps a lot. I think just, you know, being a professional coach myself, 
I'm able to ingratiate myself pretty quickly, you know, with the yeah. coaches. They're, they're always a little bit suspect of me because of my bad hair, dude. <laughs> now, now they're used to it, yeah. unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately for them. And, uh, and so it's just, uh, it's, it's been a great um, endeavor, you know, to be able to parlay, you know, playing hockey, being an average player, get to the Gophers, winning a national championship, losing one, playing, actually making it to the pros, and then, you know, um, coaching professionally and be able to have, you know, four months off every year. So when we were playing, most of the towns that you played in were like a Vail and an Aspen. So, yeah, you know, yeah. you had you could ski, you know, on your day off. And it was just a, a really, really unique environment back then. And it still is today. And uh, so consequently, you know, I, I, feel, I feel like right now we're coming back in a big way. Got a couple of big teams coming over next year, Oswego State we were talking about. Yeah. And uh, there's more teams coming. And, you know, it's just, I'll, I'll be honest with you guys, it's been a rough ride. Yeah. You know, PPP loans, all that. I mean, yeah. you know, everybody's just in survival mode. Yeah. Sure. You know, I just tell people, you, you take 20 years to build up a company and one week to, to, to bring it down. Yeah. yeah. So but anyway, all, it's, it's all good now. For the listeners who don't know right now, so Brad or Dosh, um, he get, he, he kind of convinces teams from North America to come over and play teams in Europe that are of similar, you know, skill and and just to show them, you know, how cool Europe is and also try to grow the game in Europe a little bit because it's obviously a little bigger over here up north. Absolutely. Um, and just show them, the, you know, the different parts of that. It's got to be really hard because obviously that's an expensive trip for any team to come over from North America. Absolutely. And play over in Europe. And then obviously the European teams know that, you know, when you're when you're telling them like, hey, you know, I got I got Cornell coming over to play. Like, do you guys want to play these te- this team? And they're like, ah, oh, you know, we don't want to lose the game. I mean, how good are they? How do you make those negotiations? <clears throat> well, we, you know, at first it was difficult, but now we got a track record. You know, we're the only company that's had D1 teams over. So in, uh, in several D3 teams, I mean, Adrian, not just the, the Concordias and St. Olaf's of the world, Hamlin and, and St. Thomas, uh, that they came in, uh, in 2019. That was our last trip with the women's and men's team, with, you know, with Paul Cohen Duke. And it was, uh, it was, you know, what I think we do, which is a bit different, is number one, I'm over there. I've lived over there for 20 years. I know if a, if a kid gets hurt, that's one of my biggest fears. If a kid gets a major injury, I yeah. know the doctors that we need to go to. I know, you know, I know which hospitals. I know basically at, at any junction, if there's a, a slip up, you know, or a ball dropped, we can, we can correct it pretty quickly. And the one thing, excuse me. That I, I learned a long time ago from a book I read. It was uh, what they don't teach you at the Harvard Business School, but you're afraid to ask. And it, with the, the the theme of that book that I took away from it was if you ever start a company, and this applies to you guys too, hire the best freaking people on earth, the best people that you can get. And that's what I did and what I've done. And my guides are off the charts. I mean, I'm yeah. not trying to be egotistical, but they're just, I could never do what they do. And my team leaders, so I just get over there and I kind of orchestrate the whole thing, oversee the, the, the entire tour. And which is fun is that, 
you know, you're alternating. You get in there, you're in Lake Como, one of the most beautiful spots in the world. You know, have a, have a gourmet dinner. Next day, we go on a private boat up to Bellagio. Kids are swimming in the, you know, and having a blast. Go go play some hockey that night. Next day, it's Milan, you know, and it just it just spins out like that. And it's very, sounds very, very... Un- uh, sounds unbelievable. I love it. I can't I wait to go back. I'm yeah. pissed at North Dakota. We didn't, why didn't we go? Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, and, and it is. And, you know, in my... If if I don't have ninety percent of the people saying to me, "Hey, that was the greatest trip I've ever had in my entire life," then I feel like I failed. Yeah. Because these people are spending a lot of money, you know what I mean, and investing a lot of time and energy. And I want the guys from the players, you know, to the girlfriend, to whatever, to the to the parents and the, and the alumni, the coaches. I want to make sure everybody's happy, and I try to um, condone the you know the interaction. Between the players, so we get a, we'll have a team dinner after the game. Everybody's having a beer and drinking. Now you know the Swiss will speak. You know, usually speak. Most of the guys will speak English. Yeah. You know, because they're being coached in English. So that's kind of a cool thing too. And then they're learning so much. I mean, when you go on a Vatican tour, you're just absorbing all this information. And the guides know too as well. Like now, whether it's, it's Venice or the Vatican Coliseum. They know when to ease off the pedal and when to give people, you know, we give them a couple of days off and yeah, let them get away from the group because it's, you don't want to have them come together every single day. For sure. You know, you need some time off and the guys need some time off. So I feel like, you know, this took 20 years to kind of develop. So I feel like I'm at the top of my game right now and uh, hopefully, you know, it'll, it'll keep going how, as well as it is. How long, how long are these trips or, you know, are usually, they? You, yeah, usually eight to nine nights. Oh, okay. Nice. Days, cool. Yeah. So we, 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 the, the three, the three venues are Lake Como, flying to Milan, go to Lake Como, it's 20 minutes away, stay there for three, four days. Then we go down like the Ligurian coast, Portofino. You probably heard of that before. That's a day trip. That's a spectacular trip. I mean, I just, it's my favorite trip of the, the, the tour. And then we'll go up to a, a little town called Bassano del Grappa and people will be like, what the hell is Masala La Grappa? I remember Rand Pecknell going, what's Masala La Grappa? <laughs> just trust me. It's a cool mountain village. Probably the neatest mountain village I've ever been in. Yeah. And I got to travel not just Europe, not just Italy and Switzerland, but most all of Europe. Yeah. So anyway, and then we go from there. We go to you know go to Venice, play another hockey game up in Cortina or whatever. And then we come down and we, we, we hang out in Rome for three days. So it's a pretty good gig. So you're, you're speaking, I mean, obviously very experienced. So when you're talking about this, this thing you have going, getting teams over there. You know what you're talking about. You know the yeah. problems. So I want to ask about the first couple of years you start this. I mean, there has to be some logistical problems. Like Absolutely. like you said, you know, like now I got to, you know, I'm worried about kids getting injured. I got a doctor call. I got buses. I got all this stuff. Is there any like logistical issues that you ran into at the start that are, you know, kind of like, holy shit. This is where I learned, you know, to have a doctor on scene or to have taxis ready or to have a second hotel. Like, are there any logistical issues that you had learned from the past in your your starting years that you've kind of fine-tuned out towards the end? Sure. Um, the number one was traffic flows because you're talking about coming into – Europe in August, where most of the countries have like two to three, if not four weeks off. A lot of people do. So you've got a lot of people traveling. You've got them coming from the north, you know, from Norway, Sweden, coming down to the, to, to get on the, you know, the Italian coast and vice versa. So that was, that was a, that was a, been, always been a pretty big issue. And you got to make sure you're, you're dialed in and you're on top of that. Because if you're not, you don't want a busload of people sitting there for friggin' six hours. You know, in a traffic yeah. jam, and so yeah. so far, not you know, so far, knock on wood, we managed to avoid that. And I, you know, again, it's depending on 
I think what I've learned, especially the last seven, eight years, is you really got to turn it over to the people that are running. I mean, they, you know, Josie and Pietro and, and Titan, my guys, they're they're from there. They're they're Italian. You know, they know that they know. Okay, I lived there for you know thirty some so years. So they hockey fans too, or just no? There's no. They're, they're they're more just just guides. Some yeah. of the team leaders, you know, the hockey guys, the coach, youth coach. But uh, for the most part, you know, they're they're the ones that you know have uh, you know MBAs or whatever in in history and literature and the arts. And I mean, when when they start speaking, but they also got character. A lot of times you get a guy that's really boring, that's prolifically intelligent, but doesn't really know when to stop and, you know, just kind of rattles it off and away going. So that's, I'm very, very dependent so upon So how many guys. guides have you went through then that you realized, ah, this guy's not we, Well, I, it? probably, probably I've had, you know, probably 10, 15 guides over yeah. the year, but years, but now we have a solid five for most of the trips. And what I try to do is to get, you know, one team to come one week because it's such a narrow window. You're talking about August, or are you talking about December for the D3 teams if they want to come? D1 teams aren't coming in December. That is just not going to happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they're going to come in summertime. I, I think, you know, I've been, I, my, my dream is obviously to get, um, you know, get the University of Minnesota, my alma mater. But I think nowadays, you know, there's so much competition. You know, you look at look at Minnesota. Look at all these, you know, all these T1 teams in Minnesota that are so freaking competitive. And then across the board, I mean, across the country. So I think that. One thing that you know, D1 teams can they they could have a, a pretty big advantage, I think, just because the camaraderie that takes place, sure. you know, and and the, the way the guys come together, and and you, and you see this kind of symbiosis, whatever, you know, during the course of the trip, and then they're also getting a chance to play four professional teams if they want. I mean, it's a it's a it's a it's like a really good start to the season because yeah. you're talking about August yeah. now before they had the big break. So I'm hoping that you know that will kind of play into it. But I mean, for the most part, everybody's going for the experience, and um, you know, I, I'm it's it's tougher now after the pandemic because most of the D1 teams will pay for the entire team and staff because you know, have some wealthy alumni that you know writes a check for 120 thousand whatever, and uh, <clears throat> you know, whereas the D3, it's mostly you know the parents that are paying. You know, or or the kids themselves. So those are the two different ways that they finance sure. it. So yeah, yeah, and you mentioned camaraderie, and Olson and I, and we we talk a lot on the podcast just with our guests, and how much you know, how much it means to be a locker room guy and have a close team. You know, like sure. some teams you play on, really really high talent, really skilled, but. There's no camaraderie there. Guys don't care about their line mate. They don't care about the other guy, uh, you know, the yeah. defenseman, the goalie. So they're not as good. And then camaraderie is a huge part. And I feel like this trip, that's what it does. For college teams, Is like yeah. it starts you off. You all have this experience going overseas mm-hmm. to Italy and all these cool places. And you're you're with each other every day and hanging out. I mean, the camaraderie that you get out of that is you can't get that in the weight room. On the yeah. ice at Ritter or Mariucci, you know, like you can't get that. And and you know, and the thing is too is th- these are trips. These guys will talk about this for for decades yes. to come. You know what I mean? And it also one thing too is it also makes them accountable. If you're if you're taking off in August, let's say August seventh or tenth or whatever, you know, the guys got to make sure they're in shape, especially with the competition level as high as it is right now. So you know, not that these guys, I I, I find it. You know, Mats let me actually uh, meet some of the guys last year, and it was just a, an entirely different, you know, ambiance from our era. We weren't, we were, 
we weren't nearly as focused in the sense that, For or sure. maybe committed. We were focused, but we weren't as committed. And and these kids, I mean, I'm just, I'm like, wow, so impressive. All super classy guys. Told them a few stories like I'm telling you now, you know, and they got a, you know, they got a kick out of it. I said, I, I was so freaking good when I played for the North Stars Farm Club, they sent me to the Spaghetti Hockey League. <laughs> but, you know, I was a better lover than a fighter, according to me. Yeah. Don't ask my two ex-wives that, no. Anyway, yeah. so like, but um, in, in any event, you know, I think that it holds them accountable. And it's just, it's, it's a, it's a bonding experience. And, you know, obviously I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to sell it, but it's just, it's a, it's a, it's been a great business. And it's given me a lot of satisfaction because I was able to coach over 20, at least 2,500, almost 3,000 kids in the 24 years that I coached over there, you know, and then I bring all these people over. There's probably another 2,500 people and you, you actually are impacting these people's lives yeah. in a really positive way. And that's, for sure. that's for me, that's the satisfaction. For sure. I get, you know, it's pretty you, cool. And you mentioned, you mentioned, you know, the guys now playing for the Gophers a little more f- focused. Right. Um, not necessarily, you know, you more dedicated, but a little more focused. And I think what that comes from, and what we've mentioned before is at some point, you know, like when you were playing back in the day, you know, when you go home for the summer, there's no, you know, you're paying 20 K in the summer for a trainer and you're skating right, every day. Right. There's none of that stuff. You know, like guys, you're done with the season, you show up. You show up to training camp and you're like, holy shit, this is when I get in shape. Exactly. You've got to follow the diet yeah. and the nutrition, exactly. which is, it's beautiful. I mean, it, it's, yeah. and it's now, first class all the way. And nowadays, you know, like a, somewhere somewhere, <coughs> oh, somewhere along that line, you know, some some prick decided he wanted to work out all summer. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he fucking showed up to camp in shape. And he's right. like, he's just killing everyone else on the team. And the coaches were like... Why the fuck aren't you guys doing this? He looks great. <laughs> and now you got every fucking guy, you know, spending 20K a summer, eating right, skating every day, working out, stick handling. It's like, you have to do that to keep up now. Like, there's so much competition out there. You have to do that to keep up. And, and Yeah. And what is something I was really impressed with is that I got to have, you know, I got a picture of me signing the wall. So the golfer locker room is now a circular. And so they, his goal is to get every alumni you know, they were played to sign that wall, which, yeah. you know, which is, it's, you know, it's so it's cool. kind of like the concept is that, you know, us alumni were protecting the guys inside and yeah. that kind of concept. Yeah. And it's just, I think it's very unique. I think he's, you know, both him and Ben, all, all those guys, I mean, they're just such classy individuals. And, and I think that we're really going in the right direction. I mean, obviously just, it's not that easy to win a national championship. It's not that easy to get to a national championship or to, you know, to the I mean, final they had, four. They had the team days. this year to do it, and it's, you know, like we said before, even Olsen and I were played, played on a great team at UND. And right. Even then, it, you know, we had a really good team. We we still had to have some lucky bounces, like the Denver goal. Yeah. We had some tip-ins against Michigan that weren't going in against anyone else. Like, you got to get lucky. Absolutely. So you know, and that's what we talked about earlier about having a best of three. Yeah. Because, you know, to be quite honest, when we won the national championship in 1979, objectively speaking, North Dakota played better than us. You know, <laughs> and we, we had, you know, we had great goalie. We, you know, the, you know, we got, we got some breaks, but that can happen in any game. Yeah. You know, whereas when we lost in 81, when I was a senior and we played, in, we played against Wisconsin, we beat them seven times during the course of the year, go up to Duluth. There's 3,000 
Wisconsin fans, like Badger fans, like, what, what's this all about? Yeah. You know, they've taken the ace out, put it back in. There's all these variables. I'm not making excuses. Yeah. But, you know, we didn't play nearly as well. They, you know, the, the, there's a lot of variables, you know, like the Broughtons had signed before the game, both, you know, which if we would have won, they could have taken our national championship away and that kind of thing. And so there was a lot of variables going on, but that's, that's all, that all can happen in, in a one-off game. You know what I mean? I think we're all in accordance on that. Yeah. They should change that. They can yeah. for sure. And, and to go back on what we were saying about the first guy who decided to work out all summer. Um, well, well, fuck that guy for one. But two, it'd be pretty interesting, you know, like nowadays with the NHL, you have and NFL and all these sports, you have, you know, CTE head issues. Because all these guys, you know, like if you look at the NFL, Aaron Donald and, you know, Daniel Hunter, these guys are freaks. Yeah. Even some guys in the NHL. You know, sure, some guys sure. are playing in the NHL, they're just freaks. Well, you know, I mean, it's dangerous for the players. Well, what if you banned working out in the off season. So if you catch a guy working out in the off season, he gets a 10 game suspension. <laughs> yeah. And it was like all oh, these yeah. guys end the NHL season or the NFL season and they can't do shit until the season starts <laughs> the next season. So like that's a little safer for the guys. It's a little more natural. I think more injuries will come from that. It might. Yeah. But it'd it, be funny to see, yes, you know, it'd be hilarious. Would, I mean, see. obviously we like, you know, faster players, you know, more skill, yeah. stick handling. NFL bigger guys, stronger guys, Derrick Henry running over guys like no one can tackle him. Well, what if Derrick Henry can't work out in the offseason? What's he going to look like? Yeah, that's Come true. Come August. That's interesting. <laughs> it'd be kind of fun to see. I don't think it'd be as fun was, to watch. Was was that what it was like when you were playing college? Like oh, yeah. when the summers came, it was throw the gear down, you know, Let's maybe go. skate once jump, or twice. Jump in the Trans Am and go, <laughs> go to the lake. Was, was that what it was like? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, we had, but we did have a developmental league. That was a pretty funny story there uh, because it was the U.S. The, the US de- developmental league, and it was in St. Paul. And so I was out in Minnetonka, so I had to drive like 45 minutes in. And, and it, one of the craziest things happened. When I was in high school, Buto was recruiting me. And, and Herbie only saw me play a couple times, and I had I had horrible games in both games. I was so pissed I didn't know. I found out after the game, whatever. And so I I figured that that ride was like a, a one beer ride you know, from <laughs> from Minnetonka to St. Paul. This is the kind of you know, and I don't I don't condone this, but I'm just yeah. saying this was the kind of era that we lived in, you For know. Sure. And so I'd get I'd get into the locker room and we were self coaching. So I took the reins right away. My, my myself and uh, Stevie Allset was we we walked on at the U together and. and and, and that's there's another story there, but anyway, he went on to become all American. Um, Mike, and he's got like a 45 foot pitcher at Mariucci. I'm in the I'm in the the men's room, the four stall. I feel that. I want an inch that. high. <laughs> I told also I wanted to rent his shin pad. <laughs> See if I could get that upgraded, you know, going, going forward. But anyway, luck of the draw, we were playing. Actually, Herbie had a Gopher team assembled. You know, so there was it was just so unfair. I mean, they were so much better than everybody else. They were talking about Meredith and Kristoff and Straubs and all these guys. And and so we're 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 a bunch of social misfits. I mean, we had like literally a, a couple plumbers on the team. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the guys have never played college hockey. You know, and we, we had a nucleus of a fairly decent team. So I, I come in the locker room and I always a fun guy. I mean, I always everybody knows I got a twelve pack in my hockey bag. And you know, because in case we win. <laughs> and so um you know, we uh 
I say, I walk in and I say, okay, you guys, let's go. Let's go, boys. And everybody's like, what the hell's wrong with Doge? I said, no, we're going to play the best games of our lives and we're going to beat the freaking golfers. We're going to, you know what? We're going to show they can be done. You know, and I was like super ultra focused and I was kind of like going into coaching mode. Anyway, we did play the best game ever. And I, and, and I had, and you know, this, this only happens once in a lifetime. I swear to God. And it just happened to have at the right time. I had a, had the game of my life. And I got it, you know, where you're just lucky. Everything falls in place, you know, scored a hat trick, you know, and, you know, not, I, you know, kind of beat up on McClanahan and some of these guys. <laughs> and uh, I come back into the locker room. So we tied. So it's just, it was a great result. And uh, also sitting across the, the locker room and he, he says, Dosh, Dosh, because I was grabbing the beer and I was starting to walk around and give everybody a beer because, you know, we, we tied. And he go, I hear this, where's Dosh? Where's Dosh? It's Brad Buto. So he's assistant coach, you know, at the Herbie. And he, and he, he says, and also is like, get the beer down. So I let the beer down. Anyway, Butes walks in. He goes, I say, hey, Butes, can we step outside? So he walked out. He goes, I go, what's, what's up? He says, Jeez, Doshi he says, you had an unbelievable game. You know, he says, you know who was in the stands? I said, no, who was that? He goes, Herbie. And I go, well, that's a pretty good deal. <laughs> anyway, I swear to God, that is one of the reasons why I, I had a chance to walk out at the University of Minnesota. Really? Yeah, I swear to God, because he finally saw me play a game. And, I, and I'd been working out hard, you know. I, yeah. I wasn't, it wasn't just a, a total party because I, you know, I knew I was going to have to walk on. And, you know, the one thing that I admire so much about Steve, he's really one of my best friends also. And, 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 um, and the, the thing is, is that he turned down a full ride with the Badgers to walk on at the U. And at that time, people don't realize in this generation that, you know, we had like 40 walk-ons. Okay, the first 10 were political invites, but there was 20 freaking good players there for sure. Yeah. And if you didn't make it, you lost an entire year of eligibility. And that was that was huge. I mean, it was it was crushing if you didn't make it. So anyway, we, we both made the team. And uh, I'll never forget that day we went, you know, we, we celebrated pretty hard, you know. When Herbie called us in, he says, "I don't know if you guys are the fifteenth and fourteenth forwards, but you got a chance to play for the U." You know, I was like, "Wow, super!" And you know, it was it was you know it was it was amazing because all you know went with the system. I tried to buck the system. And this is one thing I want to tell if there's you know younger hockey players out there. Don't be doche, be alls. And, I, and I'm serious about this because as a professional coach, you know, later in later years, I realized, you know, I was a bit For of sure. a, you know, rebel without a, a cause. And and I just, it was, it was so, it's so important to just, you know, do the right things and be super committed and not, not be, you know, you can go out and have some fun, pick your spots, but not too much fun, you know. Yeah. And so, you know, I just thought I'd, I'd throw that in there because I think it's something that could resonate. There's, there's a way of, you know, doing <clears throat> what the coaches want you to do on the ice, and then being yourself in the locker room, and, right? You know, but when you're out there and you're bashing heads with your coach or whatever, even if it's not verbal, you know, just your um, you ma- mannerisms and you know your yeah. body language, it's like. People pick up on that, and little things could just twist the coach's mind in one direction. But if you're if you're straightforward with the coaches and you do what they ask and whatever, they'll let you be whoever you want to be in the locker room and things like that. Well, you know, and, and, I, and I, I always tell people I, I feel like I was Herbie's favorite player of all time. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like I, I me. Broke, I broke more 
curfews than probably any goal for a <laughs> hockey player in the history. So, so I, was, I was pretty proud of that, you know, since I scored like two goals in four years. <laughs> that it, you are me. I think we're the same person. <laughs> oh, anyway, but I, I got to tell you a quick story about Herbie. Oh, God. we You know, you... you he loved Herbie, and I know people love to hear about him. I want people come on that trip saying, like, oh, you play for the – you're a legend. You play for Herb Brooks. I went, no, he was a legend. <laughs> I was, anyway, his favorite player. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> anyway, but the, the, the thing is, is that, um, you know, Herbie was a prolific coach, no one doubt about it. I mean, you know, look at what he accomplished. But he had a different style, and it was kind of a – a little bit more aggressive and kind of, in a way, almost kind of threatening. Like, you get this done or you're freaking gone. You know what I mean? And so I was actually the whipping boy because I was on, which I understand, you know, as a coach, and, and that was fine. Um, you know, so you'd see, like, you know, all the guys doing the Herbies and, the, you know, the Miracle movie. That was true. And we, he would go for 45 minutes on a Saturday morning when we'd all been out. And then everybody's like, you know, half the guys are throwing up. And you know, I'm not kidding you. We'd get, we'd get out of the pitch. And all of a sudden he'd go, Doshin. Oh, man. He escaped me for another 10 minutes. Because he wanted me to throw in the towel say, screw you. I'm, you know, and, and then I would put up with it. But um, it, was, it was kind of funny. When uh, we were in Colorado and, and, and things, you know, we were just happy to be there. I was, a, I was a freshman and, you know, to walk on and everything else. So we're in Colorado. We're the number one team in the nation the sophomore year. And he says, he goes, okay, guys, I don't know if you, you guys are, I'm sure they have better locker rooms now, but at the time they had a pretty, pretty rickety locker room. You, we had a walk Col- you Colorado college or yeah, yeah, CC. Yeah. CC. You know, so CC's walk- locker room wasn't great when we played. Well, no. it's well, probably better than what you had. Well, you could, the thing is, is that you couldn't see everybody as a coach. Cause you had the, the coat rack was in the middle of the locker room. Right. <laughs> yeah. So this is like, this was a good story. So Herbie tells, he says, Hey, okay guys, listen, huh? we get off the bus. We're in the hotel. He says, okay guys, we're number one team in the nation. I don't want you guys getting cocky about that. I know we're playing CC. They're last team in the WCHA. So he says, uh, you know, you guys, let's get the business done. You know, and I'll, I'll let, I'll let, I'll let the, uh, the, the rope out a little bit. And I'll give you a little bit of time on Sunday or Saturday to go up. And so he walks out of the locker room. Actually, I was in the locker room. He locks in the locker room, and I go, screw that. <laughs> and I, I said, uh, hey, guys, guess what? I got uh, I got some friends lined up. <laughs> and I said, I'm buying margaritas. <laughs> and I said, we'll beat, we'll beat CC by 10 goals even if we can't walk. <laughs> That's the way we felt. <laughs> I swear to God. So we go out. It was 6-1. <laughs> oh, my God. He came in, and he had a riot act going. I mean, when you say that in the miracle, that was nothing. He'd take garbage cans. He'd throw them across the room. He'd throw skates. He'd throw anything he could find. The guy had a, the most unbelievable temper. And he's just screaming at us. I told you guys. I freaking told you guys. He's walking around because he you know, he's got to keep walking around the locker room. You know, he's best. And he looks at Stops, he looks at me, he goes, and you, Doshin, you were the worst frickin'. When he was, Herbie was really pissed, he'd use the F word. But, you know, most of the time he'd say frickin', you know, but this time he preferred another adjective. And he goes, <laughs> Doshin, you were the worst frickin' player on the ice. And I go, Herb, one question. He goes, what do you mean? One question. I said, can you count? <laughs> oh, God, he exploded. <laughs> I, I said, I got two shifts in the first period. One in the second and three in the third. What was I supposed to do? Score a hat trick and win the game for us? Oh, 
God, he, he went nuts on me. Like, God damn it, you're going to be on that train back to Hastings. There is no train to Hastings. It's, it's a bus. <laughs> oh, God. And the guys were just they're hollering, but they couldn't. And so anyway, so he's walking around. He catches his breath. He stops for about 10 minutes. And he's going to give us one more discourse about that. And all of a sudden, this you could ask all of a sudden about this. It's pretty funny. All of a sudden, you hear this. He goes, what the hell is that? And also goes, that's Doshi's blow combing his hair. <laughs> he's, he's getting ready to go out. <laughs> and the time, the time he, had, he took a break, I had taken a shower, had my suit on, and I got the locks going. He's got the I, I was on the seventh line on Monday. <laughs> it took me about a month to get back up to the fourth. <laughs> but anyway, before we dig into more of these stories, uh, I wanted to touch with. Um, Recruiting nowadays compared to back in the seventies and eighties, right? You know, you got got you got kids committing at fourteen years old. Was that a thing back then? Yeah, and oh, I kind of want to no, add on what Olsen's close. asking because you said, you know, Herb saw you in the skates, and then you got the walk on, and there were twenty guys. Kind of built off what Olsen was saying. Was that kind of your? I mean. It sounded like you were out of high school and that was your year to make it. So to us, it's a lot different. You know, all these teams, all these college teams, they're picked like two, three years before the season even happens. And it sounded like you were you got the invite right before the season. Exactly. It was. It was. It, we most of us went directly into college because it was yeah. you know the best players, and, and there wasn't that many teams. It was the University of Minnesota, the Duluth, you know, and, and so that the, there was more limited that way. And uh, no, I mean no. There is there is nothing like it is now with all the scouting going on, which is great, but I think that it it tends to put a lot of pressure on the players and and you know because it is so competitive and that's you know I think that's a good thing in one way, but I also think that parents feel pressured and they put pressure on the players. Great and, point. And that's that's something that I find really kind of discouraging. It's like leave the kids alone, let them have fun. It's supposed to be fun at twelve. At seven, even at, you know, if it, it's always got to be fun, even if you're 41 and you're on your retirement contract. Yeah. I mean, you know, you want to have that's what everybody says. And, you know, and I just don't know sometimes if the guys are having as much fun as maybe we did in our generation, you know. And again, I'm not saying that that's the, the best way to go, but I'm just, I want to, you know, speak truthfully about what it was like in our era. Yeah. You know, and I think it's, there's a certain appeal for that. Because, I, I just wanted to add yeah, on, sure. like, uh, so I played high school hockey through senior year. Then I went and played juniors. Right. And I felt more pressure because all my friends had got commitments when they were seniors in high school, juniors in high school. And so that was kind of like the new norm. So sure. where I would probably have been more comfortable in that era where it was like, okay, now I'm just playing to play yeah. instead of putting pressure on myself because everybody else was committed at 16, 17, 18 years old. Yeah. Did you feel that? I mean, were no, players we... committed that earlier? No, like You not graduated at all. high school and you still, you know, you graduated high school, no offer, and you still thought like, oh, there's a chance I still might play for the Gophers. Because nowadays, you like, like Ols is playing – He's not playing juniors after. It's like, it's, yeah. Like, you're not playing college. Or, right. You're done. And but I mean, you were still kind of thinking, like, well, there's a chance I might get a walk on spot because I was a pretty good player. Well, and the, and the thing is, is what 
I really, you know, I, I've, I've talked to a good friend of mine. He became a good friend because he brought his peewee teams over. Is Corey Leyland. You know, he used to play for the Gophers and, and, uh, he, he runs the, uh, Euro, uh, you know, tours or whatever, the, the Euro, um, training and, um, you know, American, sorry. And, you know, we talked about that when that started happening about eight years ago. And it's just, I think that put so much pressure on the kids. And a lot of the kids, when they get picked like that, what are they going to, what are you going to do at that age? You're going to let off the pedal. You know, you're not going to work nearly as hard as you were working before. And I think that's very, very problematic. And I don't know really how you, you address that in this day and age. Cause again, I've been pretty much removed from college hockey with the exception of taking the teams over and everything. So it's been a learning curve for me, but I will say it's been special. I mean, I've been allowed into a club. I mean, you, know, you asked about how I get the, the, um, the tours. Most of it is, you know, there's a, there's a hockey convention, coaching convention down in Florida and some other tournaments, that kind of thing. So you're there, you're exhibiting and, you know, you're talking to the coaches and many times it's, you know, out at the bar, at the pool, whatever. But, um, you know, it's, it's really a privilege to be able to sit down with a Rand Pecknold, you know, Bobby Goddard, yeah. he's retired now from Dartmouth. Yep. I mean, Ron Fogarty, he came with Adrian. Did now he's a coach of prison. Did you ever know as well? Did you have no No, Notre Dame, no. But you know Donnie, you know Donnie, Donnie Vaughn from Colgate, and you know, um, you know uh, Shafe from Cornell, and 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 then also the D three coaches. I mean, these guys are great coaches. I have so much admiration for them, and I just it makes me think about how you know how committed they are, how smart they are, and and how much they have to juggle. And both the D3 and the D1. I mean, these guys don't stop working. That was what I was alluding to earlier. It's like, we had four months off. So the first thing I do is I go ski for, you know, a month. Yeah. I go shoot down to Greece, you know, travel you know, to the islands. <laughs> you know, yeah. Good you know, because you know, I thought, hey, I don't know when this is going to stop. So, you know, south of France and then, you know, Portugal, Spain, et cetera. You know, and so that was, you know, you think about how much you can extract from the game of hockey or some sport like that. I mean, that's, that's not, that's not very usual. And it's, I feel very, very lucky to have had all these experiences And I, you know, I kind of, I kind of took a little bit of advantage of it. You know, yeah. I, I made sure all my friends had a ton of money and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Going it, to Monte Carlo, meeting the Prince. Yeah. <laughs> it does say something about you though, that, you know, in, in order for all these teams to come over, they, they have to have a tremendous amount of, you know, trust in you to make sure this trip's going to go well. Exactly. And you're doing this, and you get a coach like Rand Pecknold over Quinnipiac, and he's like, you know, college hockey fans listen to us, so they know Rand Pecknold, and he's the Quinnipiac coach. He's one of the best college hockey coaches right now, and, and I mean, ever. Right. And you gained his respect and trust to have his team come over. I mean, that's got to feel pretty good. It, to know, like, this guy trusted you to show him a good time and, and build well, a team over there. And it's funny that you picked Rand because Rand and I are kind of like, we're at the time, we were like polar opposites, you know, and he was a little bit worried, but they're all, him and, you know, Bobby Gaudet uh, from Dartmouth, they were all going off of Don Bond's advice because Donnie came over twice with Colgate and he said, look, you know, it, once once you're in with those coaches, it's a it's a great deal. It's really, you know, it's a, a very, very lucky position to be in. And I'll, and I'll never forget, we're down there in Florida and, you know, Rand was kind of, you know, I, I could tell he's a little bit skeptical of, 
you know, going with this dose with the bad hairdo, capris. I can only, <laughs> you know imagine, I mean? I can only <laughs> imagine Haxtell going You know, the, the ankle, ankle bracelet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Haxtell's yeah. going over and he's got dosh leading the crew. Haxtell's exactly. like... Yeah. Hopefully people can't see my horrible hairdo. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so I could tell you a little in her spot, you know, and, and we were having a couple, we were just having a couple of beers. I walked up behind him and I put my arm around. I said, hey, Rand, I said, I know you're a little skeptical. You're a little worried. I said, but don't worry, pal. I'm going to deliver for you. And he goes, Oh, I know you will. You know, and it was, it was, it was just kind of neat to have that kind of interaction. And then the next thing you know, we're over there. He's got his four kids with him and he's got to do laundry on a Sunday and there's no laundry mats open. <laughs> so now I got to take the van, the, the equipment van. We got to drive across town like 15 miles to go to this laundromat and there's no, there's no, nothing open. It's a Sunday morning. Yeah. <laughs> so we sat on the curb. There was not even a bench to sit on. And we sat on the curb and we just talked, you know, we talked about hockey, we talked about life. And, you know, you get those kind of, you know, interactions and that kind of time with these guys. It's, it's really, really special. So. You know, and, and also not just the not the coaches, but also the players. You know, the parents. That's what. That's always my biggest regret. Like I try to remember everybody's name before they go. You know, get them a little something at the end, and it's um, you know you, you you always feel a little bit heartbroken because you didn't get a chance to meet all these amazing people. You know, For better sure. than you could. You know, you you, you could have. Um, so anyway, it's uh it's been it's been a been a good ride. Been For a sure, very good ride. So yeah, Doge. I mean. Obviously, we've loved all the stories you hear, but you've had for us, you've told us, but we really did want to get into the Minnesota days of your playing career, just because we are kind of a college hockey podcast. So you mentioned how you got to Minnesota, you know, your walk-on. I mean, bring us through what what that's like. You know, like you you said there, there are 20 walk-ons and they cut, you know, Every one of them almost, and only a few of them come on. So Actually, there's 30 pretty good ones. Yeah, so I mean, well, what's your thought process going into college? Like, I might make this team, I might not. And then you do make the team. I mean, bring us through all of that. You know, like, what are your thoughts? Well, I think it emanated a bit uh, because of my childhood. I, I lost my father at age 10, and that was pretty rough. And I, but I had three older brothers and two older sisters, that kind of helped steer the way along with my mother. And that's why I actually moved to Hastings and my mother got remarried. But when my, when my, you know, I think when my father died, I said to myself, okay, I got two choices here. You know, I can be a screw up or I can make him proud. And he was, he gave more to me like in 10 years than maybe many fathers can give their kids an entire lifetime. So I started, you know, setting goals for myself and I, you know, I was a bit of a loose cannon. As, as I mentioned, I'm sure you have already assumed that, but I, 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 I told people, and they say, well, what do you want to do when you're older? And I said, well, I'm either going to be a rock and roll star, a race car driver, or a pro hockey player. <laughs> like, Fuck like, yeah. God, you better hope that it's a pro hockey player. <laughs> anyway, you know, and, and, and people laughed at me, and they said, you can never do that. I said, I'm, I'm actually going to play for the Gophers. I was 14 years old. And one of the best things that ever happened to me is I skipped Bantams and I played with a junior B team when I was 14. I played with 27-year-old guys. So that was a huge deal back then. You know, so when I went to high school, it was a, you know, I'm not saying it was a, it was a cakewalk, but I was just already used to, you know, better competition. And, you know, and I got there and then I, I, I made, you know, a goal of, you know, um, getting over to Europe and playing as a pro at the very least after my goal for, you know, college career. And, I felt that the one thing is that I worked as hard as anybody, maybe maybe even harder than a lot of guys, but I didn't have a lot of, 
at that time, we didn't have a lot of great coaching. And nothing against the coaches, nothing against the Butos of the world and Foley's and, you know, Herbie's. But it wasn't that, that one-on-one, you know, like teaching how to shoot and, that, you know, and, and um, you know, just all the uh, semantics of the game, you know, and, and you know, It was the more details. so motivational, like get your ass Exa- going. Exactly. Let's, it wasn't so like, you know, We didn't have much instruction. Either. Yeah. Not much instruction at the time. So, um, you know, we had to kind of find that on our own. And it, the camaraderie that we had, though, at the U was amazing. I mean, that was, it was, I remember so many people telling me when I was a freshman and a sophomore, you know, you'll never t- truly comprehend what it is to play for the Minnesota Gophers until it's 30 years down the road. And, and, and I think that was a great statement because it, it really did resonate. I mean, when we came back, from Detroit, we had 5,000 people waiting at the airport for us. And I was nobody on that team. I mean, I'm not kidding. I had like three shifts in the game. And I said, you know, I, I said, I was, I was, I was always very pivotal in that, that game. But I, what I did do is I, you're speaking I, my language. I did, so I did. Like, like we were. But, but I, 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 I have to tell you, I do have to tell you the story. Remind me, I tell the story about the 10 year reunion of the national championship team. This is a pretty freaking funny story. But anyway, you know, the, the point is, is that, uh, you know, we got back, 5,000 fans. I mean, I remember I'd be like up in freaking Crosby where actually, you know, my family grew up. And, and somebody would come up to me at a bar and go, Brad Doshin, congratulations, the national championship. I'm like, how does he remember? Do, what, what, do you study the bench during the game? Do you watch the game? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, pick me, Herbie. <laughs> you know, and... uh so, you know, when we won the national championship, that was, that was, I always say that's the greatest moment of my life, you know, after getting married, of course, like four times. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, I just, you know, but seriously, it was, the exhilaration was something that, you know, and you guys, you know, fortunately you guys experienced it, you two, you know, and it's something that you'll never, ever really let go of. And I think it also spells volumes for, you know, having success later in life, you know, and I, I didn't make the millions and I'm the first to admit that, but I've had a pretty amazing lifestyle. And I'm not sure that right now at this point in my life, if I would have preferred to, you know, taken that Avenue and, and made the 10 million and working my butt off every single day or the Avenue of traveling all Western Europe, playing coach of pro hockey, teaching kids, you know, and, and, and parents and, and the whole, you know, um, you know the whole the whole scenario that goes along with that, and I, and I think that it's you know as you look back on the arc of your life because you have to at this age, you have to say okay what I did wrong what I did right, but it's I'm I'm glad that I did make that choice. You know as hard as it's been at times because as you know professional as coaches we don't make a lot of money and let you this year at the higher the highest level. Um, so I, playing for the U, you know, and then we you know we won the national championship and. You know, they forgot my invite for the Olympic team. I was pretty pissed off about that. <laughs> or they might have lost it. I'm I moved. Still, I moved. I'm, I'm still waiting on mine too. <laughs> <laughs> missed it. I missed that. Yeah. Missed that. But you know, it was it was it was neat because we were all so proud of our buddies. You know, doing that, and we knew that they were so much better than us. You know, like me and Alls, and you know, all the guys that remained. Um, and, and so, consequently, it was it was uh, just a real feeling of, of pride that you had. Because your buddies won the Olympics, you know, and nobody could have ever dreamed how big that would be later on. So, Dosh, was that, I mean, 
For the listeners who don't know, was that while you were in college that that happened? Yeah, yeah. So, so it was my junior. It was my uh, my um, junior year. So what was happening actually when the game was played out? We were in Colorado College, going back to Colorado College again. But we were actually in the locker room, and Timmy Har had just went and had a tryout with the team. And you know, and you saw that. And by the way, Herbie would have never said he never would have met with the guys on that. There's no way he would have said he wanted to you listen keep, to you the keep your big trap yeah, shot. Yeah. I'll decide whether Har's making the team or not okay yeah. okay you know either, either accept that or get the hell out of here you know i mean that's the kind of guy he was and i yeah and, and i loved him for that and that was one thing and I, i'm deviating a little bit the adh is kicking in but the one thing about hurry is that he he you know we called him i don't know if i can say this but we called him the prick of misery yeah, yeah. And, and that when he got on the bench with him and he tapped you on the shoulder go get it done Man, you'd go through the wall for that guy. I mean, it was amazing. Like he was, he was so inspirational in so many different, motivational in so many different ways. Um, but you know, alluding to, um, you know, to to playing out in the career, um, I, I I just felt that uh, having Buto was kind of gave me a second chance. I think that uh, quite honestly, you know, Herbie would have probably tried try to trim the fat and get rid of me as in maybe a, maybe a couple other guys. You know, not not for disciplinary reasons or whatever, but you know, I, I had a great rapport with with Buttes, and he said, you know, I think you could be an impact player in this team, and you know, you're gonna have to work a lot harder, you're gonna have to go easy on, you know, having fun and that kind of thing, and you know, just the different approaches about the coaches that you had, and also just the pride, you know, of of being a Minnesota Gopher, you know, for you guys, same with you know North Dakota, and and um, there's something that you just you'll never be able to really describe that to people. Yeah. That feeling, that euphoria that you feel. Sure. Well, that's kind of what we, when we talk about the Fighting Sioux, yeah. and it's obviously no longer the Fighting Sioux, but we still say Fighting Sioux, and people are, oh, it's the Fighting Hawks. And it's like it's just like... It, no, it's a Fighting Sioux. Yeah, exactly. You know, it was just like this <clears throat> entity. Like, we want to keep that, like, living on through yeah. everything. And people are like, dude, give it up. It's not the Fighting Sioux anymore. But it's just like... It's the Dude. culture, it's the mentality, it's the... It's like everyone in the past, all the alumni, is like, if you're having a bad season, or or you weren't on path to, you know, make the tournament or whatever, you're just like, God, all these fucking alumni are so rattled right now. Yeah. And like, in the back of your mind, you're in the middle of the season in college. Rattled in what sense? Well, you're in the middle of the season in college, and, and you have a bad weekend or whatever, and you're sitting there thinking like... God damn it. You're not only thinking like, oh, I'm sad for myself and for the people at school. You're also thinking about like, fuck, the alumni are pissed. Like, TG Oshie's rattled us that we're losing these games. Like, you're thinking about all that stuff, all those alumni yeah. that came back, you know, have went through the program and they're now watching the program. And you lose those games and those guys really don't care. I mean, TJ Oshie, is he watching the UND games? Not a chance. But you're still thinking in the locker room after those losses, like, we're letting down all these alumni, all these fans that have went through the program and all this stuff. Like, it's not only you. Like, you're not only sad that, oh, I played a bad game. You're like, fuck, I let. I don't care about letting down myself. I care about letting down, like, all these people who care. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And, that, and that's, you know, and, that, and you get that, you know, at pretty much every D1, D3 school. 
but it is it is special when you know like you think about that rivalry that we had i was so disappointed when you know north dakota split off and everything else and there's no 100%. longer yeah. that i mean, I mean that the, was a great rivalry and that took away a lot in my mind you know from the minnesota fans as far as the, you know that that was took a, the life out of both was, fan bases i mean that's that's what both fan bases looked forward to i mean there yeah. are other rivalries like we played duluth and denver big rivalries but you take minnesota out of the equation and it's like what? Yeah, exactly. A lot of the, and the same a lot for of, us. Yeah, yeah. A, lot, a lot of the Gopher North fans. Dakota, yeah. you know, and the fighting Sioux. And I, I just don't understand, you know, all that. Obviously, I'm getting older, and, and I have to be politically correct or whatever. But it just, it just seemed like for whatever reason, it, it just didn't seem to resonate with me. And I don't think it does resonate, and it probably will not resonate. It doesn't. No. You know, for a couple more generations. Well, you know? it, let me ask you this. You know, you look at Mariucci now, and when they're playing. <clears throat> Notre Dame or Penn State and it's half filled at Mariucci you know there's and those are big yeah, rivalries those are the, those are your big rivalries that you're playing four times a year you're playing against those guys in the standings and the Mariucci isn't even sold out right and then the very first game we play against Minnesota oh, when we went to play Minnesota the place was stuffed you couldn't oh, find an open seat exactly. that that tells you the story right there like we, why would you break that up and we, how hard is that not to fix yeah yeah you know what i mean it's like yeah. this well, is a you know my first, size. my first 3 years in college we didn't play each other during the regular season anytime and then our senior year my senior year your junior year we go to the Mariucci and we play and I mean, Olsen and I had played in big-time regional games, big-time NCHC games, national championship. Right. When we go and play in the Mariucci, I mean, there is more buzz there than any other game. Yeah. By, like, we play in the national fucking championship. All the marbles on the line, and we go to Minnesota in the middle of fucking November. Yeah. And it's like, this is the biggest game you're ever going to play. <laughs> oh, like, God. It was... Fucking you, nuts. you know, you stab each other in the freaking neck yeah. with your sticks, and then, exactly. and then at, right after the game, you're out all to the bar. Yeah, you yeah. know, and that was the way it was in our era. And that was one thing I want to mention too is that I'm really, and I'm sure a lot of the guys from my generation will, you know, agree with me on this is that it was absolutely remarkable and astounding to be able to play in the old barn. I mean, yeah. you couldn't hear yourself think. You're walking up those steps, and it was. Bonzo, you literally could not hear, hear yourself think when you went out on the ice, yeah. and that and that was the same for North Dakota too at the time, you know, and, and many of the other rinks as well, but more so, you know, North Dakota, Minnesota, and I. So I hope that they can revive that rivalry in some form or way. I, I get it with you know the Big Ten and all that, but uh, seems like it's kind of kind of taken away. You know, you, you don't. I don't feel that energy level. Yeah, oh, uh, it's not what it used to be. But we did want to. I did want to ask you. So you said you were playing for Herb during the Olympics. So what's the process like there during that no, season? No, 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 before the Olympics. Oh, it was before. Yeah, yeah, because he's coaching the Olympic team, you know. So it was it – was So our, were you in college when Herb was your coach and he yeah, went yeah, to coach Yeah, 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 my Olympics? freshman and junior and, and sophomore year. So did he – so, we, we, so we, was we, he gone that whole year coaching the Olympic team? Yeah, or yeah, how? exactly. Yeah, so yeah. the whole year yeah, he was he, gone. He, he left, yeah, he actually left. Like Yuto was, came in. So was that so, full yeah. year that he was – I mean, he was, was a full. It was a full year. Yeah, it was one of the first times, and he was, you know, in charge of also not just the Olympic team, but also personnel and everything else, as I understand it. I mean, I'm sure. So, you know, that was. so was that. I mean, was that different when he came back and he was gone a full year coaching the Olympic team? 
No. Well, no, Herbie, Herbie didn't come back. Like Neely Broughton came back, for example. But I mean, Buto took over, and then the, oh, was Herbie, it? Herbie was done. After Herbie was done. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. So, so Buto took over. You know, after Herbie left. Okay, okay. You know, and that's what I was yeah. saying earlier. You know, about how he, you know, I felt like he gave a lot of guys like myself another chance. And and and, and, and quite honestly, I mean, you're playing with such prolific players. I mean, you got eight guys, nine guys that are going to win the Olympics. I mean, it was like, God, how, can, can you just like, you know, I don't want you to, you know, have separated shoulder, but maybe just like, you know, get an injury. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Strollo, McClanahan, Chris. And this is, this was a war between those guys. It was amazing because every, every game was a free for all. It was either Strobel scoring three goals or, you know, Micheletti scoring three goals or Kristoff. And it was just, you know, we're all just like sitting back and just kind of watching, you know, and it was, it was pretty magical from that vantage point, but it was not nearly as a, as unified as the, the 81 team was. So when they, so when they went to play the Olympics, I mean, what's, what's the thought of American hockey players seeing these college guys go play Olympics all year instead of college? Were you thinking, you know, like, they're gonna take last place. I mean, they're fucking college players. Well, I mean, it's I, the I, Soviet I, team who's beaten NHL All Star teams. I mean, yeah. In we, your mind, was there any chance they would ever win that tournament? No, no. But but you know, you had a lot of confidence in you know Herbie. I mean, sometimes I I don't mean to diminish him because he was a great coach, and you know I think that uh, you know it just um, the way it's it snowballed. In in the in their favor, and it just we had so much confidence that these guys were going to at least not win the gold medal, but at least get there and maybe get a medal. I, I think that's probably how all the guys felt, you know. And uh, you know, consequently, we, it was it was you know, it was prolific, and and we didn't I don't think realize you know what an impact that one game. I think that you know I think that the the gold medal has been voted the number one sports moment in North America for many many years yeah. now. Yeah. You know, which you just you, you didn't, you know, and even the players themselves, they, I don't think they ever realized that they'd be signing, you know, autographs, you know, 10 Did you 10, did you watch later. that game on TV? No, cuz we were playing. Yeah. Oh, I never finished that story. I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. I mean, ADHD kids did. Anyway, when <laughs> I reach for my Ritalin pills. Um, no, but so what happened it was we were in between periods and all of a sudden, Timmy, I was talking about Timmy Har, how he went to the team, you know, for a tryout for just, back, yeah. and then got sent back. And all of a sudden, it comes on the speaker in the locker room there in CC. Do you believe in miracles? Do you believe in miracles? And it was, you know, just all this excitement. And, t- you know, Timmy, I love him. He's just a great guy. And he was a prolific goal scorer. And he probably could have been on that team too. But, you know, like Herbie could only pick so many of his own players. I, and, I, and I, in any event, he, you know, he kind of, you know, it was, it had to be a tough, tough moment for him, you know, knowing yeah. that he was that close to making that team, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, we were, we were very good at supporting each other. And I think that, uh, we had great leaders as far as like captains. And I think that's something that's been perpetuated over the years. And, and, and I'm sure for you guys as well, for North Dakota, I mean, North Dakota was always, it was, it didn't matter, you know, what the chemistry was of the team. It was always a battle and it was always a great performance, you know, for the most part. By, by either you know North Dakota or Minnesota, we played. Do you time. remember any of those North Dakota players? Just because a lot of, a lot of our listeners are North Dakota fans too, so 
Do you yeah, remember yeah. any of those North Dakota players that were like this fucking guy? This is yeah. This is this is extremely embarrassing. But I I, I really don't. I mean I, I I you know I most of the guys that I played with you know would associate themselves with you know the the, the opposition players. What it was Wisconsin, North Dakota, you know CC, and you know I. I don't know. I just, um, I never had those kind of cross team relationships, you know, friendships, I should say, yeah. you know, with those guys. So not, not, not really in particular. Which is what I think is a little different about our day and age. Cause when I talk to, you know, when I talk to you and, and your buddy at bunnies, when I met Shadosh, right. um, you guys, were talk- yeah. Yeah, you guys were talking about North Dakota and kind of chirping out. I'm like, Kind of thought it was funny, and I'm like, nah, I'm a North Dakota guy. What are these guys going to say? And they're like, oh, fuck you, you know? Yeah. And then we you know, started talking. But nowadays, when, when you're a hockey player, you kind of know a lot of the guys on opposing teams. Right. You know, like, half the guys <coughs> on each team, and you're kind of – you play with them before, and you're friends with them. It wasn't really like that back in your – I mean, you fucking hated these guys, right? Like, it was like – Yeah, we, you know, we did. I remember – I mean, I remember some of the players from the other teams, not so much North Dakota, but, you know, it, it, we did there, – there was there was obviously some, um, you know, common denominators as far as having played with the, against those guys in high school, but it wasn't like junior hockey now. So you may have played, you know, with yeah. uh, some of the opposition players for, for two sure. years in juniors. Yeah. You know, where that wasn't happening back in our era. It was like straight, you know, from college to the – or from high school to college. So how was that transition to the college game when you started practicing with the Gopher players who had played college and they're up to speed with the college game? You're coming out of high school thinking you're all hot shit and yeah. you fucking start practicing with these guys and you're like, holy shit, oh, this is college. Like, they're weird. Yeah, I got a lot to learn. And you guys know that too <laughs> oh, yeah. when you came in. You know, it's, it really is. It's a, it's a real learning curve. And it's just the, the competition was so extremely intense, you know, every day. And, and also, I'm so glad to see it. It's funny because not that I was a, you know, visionary or anything, but I, I always said to the guys, we should be getting paid. Not a lot of money, but a little bit of money. Like we were, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget, I was so fortunate because I actually had a trust when my, my grandfather gave me and then I had a little bit of scholarship. But, you know, you had guys like the Broughtons, you know, I love those guys, Aaron and Neely, and, and they were, you know, many times having to go like to Burger King and not just them, but a lot of guys on the team, you know, and not eating very well. Whereas the football team, at least they got the training meals and everything else. Yeah. And, you know, and we, we, we couldn't even get a decent, you know, stipend, you know, for food during the course of the, the season. And I'm not talking about, you know, the entire year, just the season. And so I think it's, it's I find it really interesting. I'd love to hear your guys' in, um, input yeah. on the, is it NILs, uh, the, you know, the, the image? Yeah, we yeah, yeah, yeah. we we missed out on the NIL stuff. NIL that was stuff. right after we graduated, but um, we we got in at a time where um, the universities, the bigger was, universities. I think it was after your freshman year, yeah. after my sophomore year. Yeah, we got into the stipend stuff. Okay, uh, they started paying us on top of. So if you got a scholarship, everyone's scholarships different. Whatever you're at, seventy five. So North yeah. Dakota. North Dakota doesn't really give out 100% scholarships because they, they split it out throughout the team. Every team does it different. Every college does it different. But they kind of split it out throughout the team. And you get so much money towards school, housing, and food on the campus. Okay. That was my first two years in Olsa's freshman year. Yep. And then after that year, NCAA came out with 
you know, if you're an athletic team and you, you're allowed to give the athletic team a certain amount of money <clears throat> on top of their school housing and food to get them through the day. What? Well, and I, and I, I just, let me just interject something right yep. now. I, you know, I, you know, people have, and fans, I don't think have any idea of how hard we all worked, you know, in, no. in, in, in our careers yeah. and how much time and energy that we put into the game. And I have, you know, I have a little bit of scuffle with some people on this. They're like, well, they're paying for your education. Yeah, they are paying for the education, which is great and it's phenomenal. But the fact of the matter is, you know, you're going to the you're going to the rink at one o'clock. You're coming home at six, seven o'clock. You're dead tired. Then you got to study, and then you got to go away on the weekends for the road trips. Leaving on a Thursday morning, coming back Sunday night, you get nothing done there. You know, I just I really feel like they're on the right track, but I don't know how they're going to manage it. Yeah, like how do they how are they going to manage this new, you know, concept? Yeah, because I mean, obviously, especially with the big football players now. I mean, they're signing million dollar. NIL deals right and with hockey players you know you're just it's not as popular of a sport and if you know North Dakota Minnesota BC all these great hockey schools but then you got you know wide receiver at Alabama yeah yeah. that's yeah Penn State way above our hockey our you know it's just so it's it'll be I don't know how they kind of tame it. I don't think that they will. I yeah. think it's just kind of a and to yeah. build, yeah, and and to build off um, what you were saying, Dosh, about these guys not being able to pay, you know, get good meals and stuff. It does get. It's a little different because, like, you're a kid. You don't know what to do with money, and when once we got this extra money. You know, the parents didn't see that. No. Yeah, so, like, yeah, yeah. so, like, yeah, sure. you know, so, like, when I was a freshman and sophomore <laughs> and I got my scholarship money, my rent money, all this money, you know, on my scholarship so I could pay for my dorm and my schooling and all this stuff. Well, when they started giving us extra money, they gave it to the kids, you know, like they gave it to the players and they put it on their, we had a, we had a UND debit card. Okay. So they'd put this money on the UND debit card and there'd be a certain amount on there at the start of the semester. And there'd be enough on there to pay your rent from, you know, September to end of December. And there'd be enough money on there for you to get meals. Okay. And pay school and that's it. By September 10th, you're out. Well, oh, oh, when, I, oh, I mean, when we started getting this money on, when we started getting this extra money on our debit cards on top of all that stuff. So you're like trying to budget like, okay, I owe uh, $500 for rent this month. So that's, you know, 2000 till December. I've got to pay this much in schooling. So I have this much left over. I mean, right. guys on the team were like, um, in North Dakota, we have blackjack tables slots in the bars i mean there'd be guys there'd be guys first week fucking walk out of the bar first week at the blackjack table just calling their parents the next week hey i need money in my account for qdoba (laughs) and you know their their parents are like are you fucking serious what are you talking about someone stole my money well no one stole their money they just lost 
2K at the fucking blackjack table last night. You know? It's a good thing I was never a gambler. <laughs> I mean, all this uh, stuff. So it is. It is a little different. What's I mean? I I just like that they're tr- they're trying new things. They're trying to find ways. Like the whole thing is, oh, if you're a normal student, you know, we have to pay our way and then work, and then that's how we pay for our school. Right. We we didn't ever have that option, so that's why they gave scholarships. But even for me, I was on a I was on a forty five percent scholarship. So I mean, that's still fifty percent each year that I have to yeah. pay somehow, sure. and sure. I've got I no idea that. how the hell I'm well, going to pay that. Well, and that goes, I'm still paying it yeah. off. Like, well, yeah. <laughs> and that goes back to the first guy ever whoever decided to work out. Yeah, I mean they they screwed all the parents out there. All the play, you know like. <laughs> The players aren't the one who's paying for the ice and the trainer in the summer. It's it's the parents, you know. Yeah, like, <laughs> right, right. It's the parents who are eating that bill. Yeah, and whoever decided to start doing that, <laughs> the parents are like, "Oh my god, <laughs> my kids got to you know skate all summer, which means ten more sticks. Yeah, that much more sock tape. You know, all the ice sharpenings like." Yeah, that goes without. It starts yeah. adding up, you know, like the money starts adding up. And I think about my, if I have kids, you know, like putting them in hockey. And I just, I recently, you know, like, I don't know how long it's been for you, Ols, but I haven't bought a hockey stick in at least 10 years from no. like a, from like a pro shop or anything. Well, I just went walking through a pro shop and these hockey sticks are over $300. The yeah. nicest ones. And it's yeah. like. If you're a parent, I mean, unless you're filthy rich, are you spending $300 on a hockey stick that's going to break in two weeks? No. Exactly. I mean, how do you do that? Yeah. You can't. It is. It's tough. It's tough. But I want to do, you mentioned it earlier, before we close up shop here, I need that 10-year reunion story from the national championship team. Yeah, that was, that was, that was, that was special. So... First time ever get, I ever got invited to Herbie's place on Turtle Lake. That's for sure. <laughs> anyway, so we got the ten year reunion, and uh, everybody's everybody's out there. A beautiful day. Just they were all excited to see each other. Most everybody came, and so I'm walking through the line. Right, you got, I got, I got like, you know, Strobel in front of me and Kristoff, some of these guys. And Herbie's like, hey, Riff Rap, how you doing? Good to see you. Mac, how you doing? Can you give me a beer? I'm not getting you a beer, Herbie. I don't know you anything anymore. You know, it's just all this great banter like we have. And then all of a sudden I get up and I go, hey, Herbie. He turns away and he goes, Patty, can you get us a beer? <laughs> <laughs> he went to cheek my hand. Swear to God. And I'm like, Herbie, it's 10 years later. I mean, come on. And I, I was actually playing uh, pro hockey still at, you know, at 28 over in uh, in Italy. So I was in pretty good shape, and I was doing my thousand sit-ups a day, and I'd just gotten it back from Greece. So I was pretty tan. And anyway, so we are all sitting down. We're right, we're right in the water there in, in the patio, and we're all having drinks. And it's you know it's Hayek and and you know the the whole gang. I mean Billy Baker, Phil Vercota, and uh, we're sitting there, and all of a sudden this cameraman comes up, and he says, "It's hey, it's Channel Five guys," and there's this young. Young uh, uh, broadcaster was probably about twenty four years old, twenty three years old, and he goes up to, to Strobel and he says, "You know, hey Strobel, he says, you know, I got to interview uh, you know one of the top players." He says, "I was a little young, you know, to see that team. I didn't really know that team. You know, could could you could you give me, you know, like who do you think I should interview?" And Strobel goes, 
Oh, you got to introduce, you know, you got to interview Tosh. <laughs> he was pro- prolific. <laughs> team. And, and the kid's like, who's Tosh? You know, oh, Brad Tosh, are you kidding? All the guys are just busting and got laughing. The kid's kind of shaking. This is live on Channel 5. And, yeah, and it's actually the norm. There's a reporter. There's a reporter that actually wrote, a, wrote, wrote, wrote about this, uh, Klobuchar or whatever. Anyway, so I get up there and I'm, I'm drinking a Heineken and, you know, it's live TV, and the kid goes, "Jeez, oh, you know, Brad Doshin, you're the only one still playing pro hockey. You look in amazing shape." He says, "What do what you attribute to it?" I go, "Well, I guess I'd have to say probably, you know, the the Heinekens for sure and the anabolic steroids." <laughs> <laughs> everybody's just howling behind me, you know? And so a couple more questions. And he says, well, can you give us your personal highlight, you know, of the 1979 National Championship game? And I said, well, I said, uh, Steve, I said, I, I guess it'd have to be, you know, it was about eight minutes left, ten minutes left in the game, and we were tied with North Dakota. And, you know, I, I, got, I got out there, and I, I just I had, like, the shift in my life. And I, and I, you know, I beat the, the forward, the neutral zone. I walked the defenseman and I walked the other defenseman and I got chopped down. And as that defenseman chopped me down, the goalie was coming out and the puck went forward. And I actually chipped the puck flying through the air into the open net for the winning goal of the national championship. <laughs> he didn't know who the hell told you. I just stole him Neil Broughton's goal. <laughs> <laughs> the guys were just they were just losing it it's on yeah, it's, air, it's on air's dosh <laughs> so the, the end of the article was next time Broughton better show up because <laughs> yeah, Broughton didn't make it uh, yeah. uh, so it was, uh, it, was it, it, it was just you know it was it, so um, the one thing I wanted to say to you guys is at some point in time here you know, in 20 years from now, you're going to probably be called on the ice. We had the uh, reunion. We had the 40th anniversary, you know, the national championship team in 2019. And, and, and um, you know, we, they called us out onto the ice. And I have to tell you, it was, you know, actually they're playing Wisconsin. So the place was almost, marriage was almost full. And to be walking out there for one last time, I got to tell you, it was pretty freaking riveting. Yeah. You know? yeah. Being with all the boys and, you know. Oh, the all, people, they, they still care. You yeah. Know, like, they still love you guys. It's crazy for Olsen and I who are, I mean, we're, we're definitely not humble on here. You know, we, we brag about our, <laughs> yeah. you know, being We very, brag. Yeah, 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 I, I we brag all the time. That's why we connect yeah. so well. Yeah. <laughs> brag so much about being very mediocre hockey players. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, when we go back to – Grand Forks and in the Ralph Engelstead, the fans there and people, they just, they love it. Like they just, they're so appreciative and passionate. Like they don't care where we are now. They're just like, Hey, thank you. That was, you know, one of the best days of my life when that happened, you know, and and North Dakota was on a 19 when we had won or 16 year drought or whatever. They had won since 2000. Um, and just it just resonated with so many people when you go back there they're just so thankful and it's it's something you can't explain like it's so cool you're like well why do these people care but they do you know and like you don't understand how you know how much they care and how much it means to them and you're just like god 
this is so cool. So so then they came down and they, after we got on the ice, got off, off the ice, they said, hey, guys, could you come, you know, in between the first and second period and sign autographs? You know, we need we need volunteers, you know. So I'm like, I got, I got this twigs, you know, all us residue, residual players. And no, no, the stars are going. So I had to go around and recruit Bill Baker, Neil Broughton, yeah. because otherwise, you know, they'd been so disappointed, all oh, these yeah. fans. And we must have signed like a hundred autographs. I never signed so many autographs in my entire life, you <laughs> yeah. know. And they're like, well, who are you? And I was going, oh. You know, you you don't want to know. I said I, I, I scored I scored that chip. Goal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was a real player, but um, you know, and and, and again, it all goes back to the, just that 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 pride, you know, and um, and that um, you know synergy that you have amongst teammates, fans. I mean, there was fans that were waiting. They were waiting for like a half an hour, 45 minutes. I'm going like, you're waiting for me? <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and it was it was just um, really, you know, that was exhilarating and really rewarding as well yeah. to, know, to know that you're going to be remembered. You know what I mean? At least, you know, Broughton will be because he didn't cover. The but in a, in a team way, you'll you'll be remembered forever. You guys go down in history as yeah. a team that won a national championship. It is funny yeah. he mentions. You know, I had to drag these guys out there. If we were to do the same thing, all the best players who everyone wants autographs from, we would have to be walking around like, come on, you gotta go. Yeah, oh, yeah. They would not be going. You know, like Nicky Schmaltz, yeah, Brock, Kajula, well, yeah. <laughs> Stetcher, all no. those guys. They'd be like, no, I ain't going out there. <laughs> when you got nine Olympians, they want they yeah. kind of want their autograph instead of mine. Oh yeah, we're all like, oh, we're going out there. They want ours. Yeah, for and, sure. and those guys are so tired of signing autographs. That's <laughs> yeah. why they don't want to go. You know, yeah. they've been doing this all their lives since the you know the Olympics. Uh, but it was. It was pretty funny. Last story, like, and we got to wrap this up. Um, so beforehand, we had a a, a little uh, you know buffet, and you know I had some you know, drinks and that kind of thing. So this is before the game, and of course, <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble for this one. But <laughs> they were charging us ten bucks for a beer, and I'm like, we want a national championship. <laughs> Charging for us for a beer? <laughs> anyway, everybody, we you know you know hockey players are. You know, yeah. I was, I was you're always looking for a free beer. You know what I did for this university? Come on. So, so it's pretty funny because they had us, you know, signing the you know, had auto, we had to autograph the sticks and they had jerseys, you know, from various years and everything. And 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 I kind of figured that this was gonna happen. And this is I don't know a long-winded story, but somehow, some way, my Minnesota Gopher hockey jersey was given to me by a guy by the name of Rusty Everson, who brought a team over because he was friends with Gordy Hampson. And this thing got stolen. And there was like five jerseys that got stolen at the time. And Buto was 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 you know harping on everybody, you know, like, hey, come on, cough up, who took the jerseys, you know? And he goes, Doshin, it must have been you. I said, Butes, I said, listen, if I stole the jersey, I wouldn't take mine. I'd take Broughton's. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He goes, he, go, he goes, good answer. So anyway, I got this jersey. This was 20 years ago. And my buddy Rusty, you know, I, they, they just got on this trip and was in uh, in Rome. And, and, and he says, uh, Dosh, you know, we got this uh, present for you. And, you know, he's kind of a, you know, does, just done really well, surgeon, that kind of thing. And he saw there was an Armani bag. And I thought, oh, I loved Armani, you know. And I look in the bag. And I pull out, it's my gopher hockey jersey from 1979. I couldn't believe it. Really? And no blood on it because I never got a fight in my entire life. <laughs> well, actually, actually, I got beat up a couple times. <laughs> but anyway, so he pulls it. So what I did is I brought it 
you know, before the game, and I put it underneath, and I made sure it was on the front side so you couldn't see Doshin. And so I kept pulling the guys over, and they're like, going, they're all going like, what's wrong with Doshin? Has he got, like, dementia or something? Like, we don't care about signing those autographs. Yeah. Anyway, so I got everybody to sign the autograph. Long story short, we take off to walk across the street to go to the game. I go, hey, guys, time out. They're like, what's that, Doshin? I said, hey, thanks for my retirement. Oh, all goes, all goes, Dosh, I don't know where you're going to retire for 250 bucks, he says, but I'm going with you. <laughs> <laughs> That's classic. Put it on eBay right after. <laughs> Thanks, boys. This is going to buy me a couple cases. So I'm going to. I'm going to raffle that off for about 12 bucks one of these days. Because <laughs> that's all they're going to pay. <laughs> I, always yeah. um, I always laugh about that random people. Be like, oh, yeah, I ever get in trouble, you could, you know, sell your national championship ring. And I'm like, yeah, for, for what, 200 Yeah. With a couple of Burger King meals on yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not selling that thing for 200 <laughs> Well, they fought mine in Lake, Lake Minnetonka <laughs> on a big island. Really? After 10 years after I lost it there. <laughs> That's another story. It was my nephew. He says, hey, Uncle Brad, can I wear your ring, your national championship ring? And I said, I said, sure, Mark. Why? He says, well, you know, I... I kind of, I kind of like try to get lucky here, and he said, "It didn't work for me. Why is it going to work for you?" Yeah. <laughs> so he takes the ring. Next thing you know, I come back. It's like ten minutes later. He's like high fiving this gal, and he's smaller than I am. And there goes the ring, like that, and then into the water. It completely, completely lost. My boy, my my nephew Brett, his younger brother. Oh my God, he swam the whole day. It was. It was oh yeah, no! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to get it, you know, trying to, and you know. You know, um, save his brother, and I said, "You guys, it's not a big deal. It's you know, it's you know, it's two hundred bucks at Justin's. That's the same. Yeah. One. That's the same but then one. they found it. A guy found it ten years later. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was on. The, it was actually on the Minneapolis Tribune. That's the only time I made the the, the Tribune. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's where I had my ring stolen. That's kind of the same way I am. Like people always ask me, like, where do you have your ring? And I'm like. It's at home. I don't fucking know. My it's parents a, yeah, have it in their a, yeah. drawer or something. Like, yeah. I don't need it. Like, you think I'm walking around, like, sh- <laughs> opening up, like, yeah, look at this. Like, <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> but, yeah, uh, I mean, you just said it. I mean, you don't need it. You already know. Right. I like, right. I won. Like, I don't, <coughs> I don't need the me. ring for justification. Like, no. I already know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dosh, thanks for coming on, man. Hey, really thank you guys. Yeah, it was a really pleasure. Fun. This was uh, definitely one of the best interviews we've had. This is awesome. Well, thanks for lying to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, Again. I mean, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, but no, no, it's been really, it's been a blast. I've really enjoyed it. And, you know, like I said, I used to do some commentating back in the day. And I didn't, you know, obviously I, that's why I didn't make millions in that profession either. <laughs> <laughs> you heard that today. Yeah. So, but it's all, no, it's been, it's been fun. It's been fun reminiscing. And uh, it's just, a, it's neat to have the connection, you know, with, with a couple of younger guys, you know, and you got the old part over here, you know, and talking about his, you know, accolades or, or none of the above. Um, <laughs> But um, thanks. It's really been fun. Well, it's really fun because, it. you know, we're Minnesota, North Dakota guys, kind of supposed to hate each other. But we talk about it a lot in the show. We've had few, yeah. we've had former golfers on here before. But um, really thankful I ran into you at Bunnies because, you know, yeah. for the listeners who don't know, I, I ran into Doge at Bunnies and, and he was with his buddy. And I was with a couple of gopher players. We ran into them and they started reminiscing on gopher times and gopher hockey and and they they started kind of making fun of North Dakota hockey, and I was staying there, and I'm like, oh, this is this is hilarious. So I tell these guys I was kind of scared because you know obviously 
won a national championship. And I'm like, well, I'm a North Dakota guy. And they all started laughing. And But I told them, you know, don't listen to these guys. They don't know what it's like to win a national championship, but we do, so we will, we'll, we'll bond. And <laughs> a great job with Mace, too, here. You oh, know, yeah. And, uh, yeah. and, you know, for sure, Euro Sport Tours will be uh, sponsoring you guys within about 26 years <laughs> after the pandemic. <laughs> anyway, hey, thanks, you guys. It's been a lot of fun. Really, really appreciate this. Well, thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week.